0: I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the best news of Super Tuesday. Congressional candidate Jim Simpson joins me. Trump supporter humor. You're going to love this. And last, California Ubers toward Trump. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
0: And hello again. Welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. All of you likely know, because you follow politics if you watch this show, that yesterday was Super Tuesday and that, in essence, Joe Biden won a lot of races Keeping in mind, the first primary in his entire life he ever won, first presidential primary, was this past Saturday. But here we have Super Tuesday, and Joe Biden did very well. Of course, he won a lot of the southern states, and Bernie Sanders won other states, and they're still counting votes in California. Bernie Sanders will get a huge number of delegates out of California eventually. But I want to tell you some takeaways from yesterday's Super Tuesday that maybe didn't make the headlines, but I think actually matter more. First, before I forget, tomorrow, Thursday on this show, we'll have the Trump campaign chairman for the state of Texas, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, joining us to talk about the Trump strategy in Texas in 2020. But I want to start first by about yesterday's uh, Super Tuesday. Number one, I actually congratulate the Democrat primary voting base for a couple of things. One is they really rejected Bloomberg. Mayor Mike Bloomberg and Minnie Mike as he was called by Trump, thought he could run a campaign in America by paying out millions and millions of his personal fortune to people to present him in campaign ads and and television ad buys and internet ad buys. You saw his face everywhere. And the fact is, he didn't care enough about the American people, about the voters he had to persuade to talk to them in person. He thought he was above it all, too arrogant, too full of himself, too confident that money equals power equals victory. So he ran a campaign, all focused on Super Tuesday yesterday, and won exactly one race in American Samoa. So he has dropped out. But I really do commend the Democrat voters for saying, these are elections where you, candidates, you have to come talk to us. You tell us what you believe in. You let us get a sense of who you are. If the best you can do is spend some of your millions, it won't even make a dent in his personal fortune, to try to persuade us by putting your mug on air, no thank you. Second, congratulations to Democrat primary voters was Elizabeth Warren, having a very poor showing yesterday. Prior to Super Tuesday, she had said she thought that she would likely come in second in a majority of the Super Tuesday races. Instead, she even could not, not only didn't win her home state of Massachusetts, didn't come in second in her home state of massachusetts came in third she basically did very poorly yesterday and she's now for the first time announcing this morning thinking of pulling out of the race so pretty much down to bernie sanders and joe biden but i want to talk to you about other great things that came out of super tuesday yesterday number one even though there's no serious contender For the GOP primary, we had three people, I think it was, I don't even know who's still in, but obviously President Trump is a GOP nominee for president again in 2020. Meaning that in many places, there's really no reason to go vote to show up. It's not like you're choosing between two viable candidates. But listen to the numbers Trump got yesterday in a primary where he didn't even have to be there. Number one, record-breaking vote counts all over the place, Vermont and Minnesota. Trump's vote totals, listen to this, Trump's vote totals beat every past incumbents total in the last four decades, last four decades. I have a point about making about this in just a moment. In Maine, the president's vote total bested every primary candidate's total since before President Ronald Reagan in Massachusetts. Story was similar. Trump aggregating a higher vote total than the past incumbent Republicans since before Reagan, even in deeply blue California. 82% of precincts reporting, Trump got at least 1.4 million votes. The point is, Trump supporters showed up in blue states. In red states, in purple states, they showed up to support President Trump, to cast a vote for him. Meaning that despite the left-wing effort to tell America that Trump is deeply unpopular and the media people try and tell you all the time that America is so embarrassed by the president, the simple fact is voters in America love Trump, Republican voters. They're grateful for him showing up on primary day to vote for him is a message i support him i support what he is doing it also is a a reflection of the numbers that we've reported periodically on this show about the number of people the composition of people who come to trump rallies many trump rally people people attending trump rallies are people who never voted before or who voted Democrat in 2016. So Trump on a roll. He was a a great uh, victor uh, in yesterday's primaries, which I thought was a fabulous thing. Uh, And the other thing I want to report on uh, relates to California. And I got to tell you, folks, these are really, really exciting things uh, in California. So in the state of California, they have what they call jungle primaries. That basically means everyone who wants to run for some seat, whether, say, it's president, Everyone who wants to run shows up, puts their name in the ballot. And unlike in other states where we have primaries, where you have, for example, like in the great state of Texas, after our show yesterday, I went and worked at one of the voting locations because we had our voting here yesterday in Texas. You have to choose when you show up to vote in Texas. Do you want the Democrat primary ballot or the Republican primary ballot? That is true in virtually every state except California maybe a few other exceptions, but I don't think so. In California, you get a bunch of people on the ballot and everybody shows up and everyone votes the ballot. You don't get to vote the Democrat or Republican ballot. So the end game is, the outcome of that is that when you have the vote tallies, quite often in major, major races, you have a Democrat who got the most votes, but if he or she didn't get 50%, then they have a runoff, but it's not a runoff between the two top vote getters of the republican party or the two top voters of the democrat party it's just the two top vote getters in any primary meaning in california is so heavily democratic that mostly what happens is even when, when runoffs have to happen all the voters have to choose from because it's such a democrat heavy population is two democrats and so, you know, even if you showed up on election day and you, you were excited to vote in a primary for some Republican, most likely when it gets to the runoff, the two people, the two highest vote-getters are two Democrats. It was something Democrats put in place to simply increasingly cement their power in California. But a great thing happened yesterday. Great thing. California has, if you didn't know, 54, 54 congressional seats. You obviously, I believe, know that in the US House of Representatives, the members of Congress, not the Senate, but the Congress, there every every person who serves there is up for re-election every 2 years. So it's everyone's in Congress is up for re-election. California has 54 congressional seats. And even with jungle primaries, their choice, their method to cement Democrat power in California, there are 9 Democrat Currently, seats currently held by a Democrat, where a a Democrat sits in Washington representing that district, nine Democratic seats can clearly be flipped by a Republican, meaning their jungle primary resulted in a Democrat and a Republican. Finally, in nine different congressional seats, very likely, given all the math, that you can, we could have nine, or up to nine, seats flipped from Democrat to Republican, and another Republican seat that appeared to be in jeopardy after yesterday appears not to be in jeopardy. All the details are in this article. I urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, the drop-down says list of links. You can read this story. It could just make you smile because in California, we may just have a Republican rebirth or re-energy. And I don't want to go so far as saying that maybe we get Republican victory in the, in the presidential race in 2020, but we have a resurgence of Republican power in California. Last thing I'll mention before we turn to our uh, guest, I want to mention that you know we you hear so often on our show about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And you know she is the first term representative of a district in New York. She's in Congress. And she is one of the squad. She is an outspoken Democrat socialist, radical, pushy, obnoxious, left-wing Democrat uh, socialist. And she tried in this campaign cycle. She and her left-wing allies um, at Justice Democrats put up for nomination. They actually worked. A first-term Democrat member of Congress worked to put more left-wing to put candidates on the ballot who are more left-wing than a sitting Democrat incumbent. She's trying. She's primarying her own fellow members of Congress, primarying them, trying to take out the somewhat sane Democrats and get someone in those seats, as radical as she is, and big, fat flop. AOC's efforts on Super Tuesday yesterday to primary her own party members with more radical left-wing socialists like she is big fat flop gotta love that there's other great uh, news out of the yesterday's but it was a great really it was a great day for republicans a great day in the primaries for president trump uh, a great day to see the democrats really coming down to two candidates as my good friend put it you can have either the socialist or the senile and i don't really like calling joe biden that because i don't wish the decline of mental faculty on anyone but he's not doing well mentally he continues to make mistakes on the stage he talked the day before super tuesday about urging people to show up on super thursday and he also got confused on stage between his sister and his wife but hey beside that he is apparently he's the rising star now he is all the odd makers have changed their ideas about who's going to win the democrat primary but i think the one takeaway in wrapping up today's first five The one takeaway I like the best out of yesterday's Super Tuesday is that there is tremendous energy on the Republican side, on the conservative side, to send a message to Washington, a message to America. We like the track we're on. We like what President Trump is doing. We're on track with him, and we're going to come out and vote for him, even when he's not challenged by anyone who could possibly beat him. AND YOU HAVE THE DEMOCRATS NOW HAVING TO FACE THEIR uh, SCHIZOPHRENIA BETWEEN ARE THEY REALLY THE DEMOCRAT PARTY, THE ALLEGEDLY ESTABLISHMENT PARTY THAT BIDEN SUPPOSEDLY REPRESENTS, OR ARE THEY THE BERNIE SANDERS RADICAL leftists, WHO, BY THE WAY, HAS A MASSIVE AMOUNT OF SUPPORT FROM YOUNG AMERICAN VOTERS. DEMOCRAT PARTY uh, LEADERS DESPITE DENIALS TO THE OTHERWISE, THEY ARE WRINGING THEIR HANDS OVER THIS ONE. AND THAT, MY FRIENDS, IS TODAY'S FIRST FIVE. A little longer than five, but hey. So now we have a congressional candidate joining us. He's actually joined me on the show a couple of other times. Um, and he is joining us by phone today or by Skype, so we'll get to see him in a moment. His name is Jim Simpson. And he's running for Congress in Maryland. So they did not have their primary yesterday. Their primary is coming up on April 28th. But he's running for Congress in a district where a Democrat currently holds that seat. And this is a guy I have talked with you about before. I'm excited to have him join us. Very quickly, I'll tell you, he's a widely published author and journalist. You can read a lot of his pieces on American Thinker, one of my favorite conservative websites, AmericanThinker.com. He's been writing and speaking for a long time on behalf of America. actually first worked in the White House Office of Management and Budget, where he served on the director's personal economic staff, and later as a budget analyst under Presidents Reagan, H. W. Bush, and Clinton. We'll forgive him the Clinton part, but yes, he worked in the White House. Uh, and he also uh, is the author of a book, and the reason we've had him on the show before. Author of the book, *The Red Green Axis: An Existential, Th- Existential Threat to America and the World*. It's a fabulous book that I want to encourage you to buy, but. Let us see if we have Jim Simpson ready to talk. There you are. Hello, sir.
1: Hey, Deb. Great to be with you.
0: Great to have you. I'm so glad you're running. So I have to tell you, you must have enjoyed watching all the Super Tuesday races yesterday. But I want to start with your race. Uh, you're running for Congress uh, in yep. Maryland. And I'm going to guess it's probably a plus something Democrat district. You don't have to say. But what plus is 11. the re- plus 11. OK, that's a bad mm-hmm. number. But anyway, yeah. someone I want to ask you, though, In this era where you have, you've been so politically active for so many years and you write and you speak and you write columns, but you're stepping up and running for Congress. So why are you doing that?
1: Well, because, you know, all of the markers are there for uh, this election. First of all, I believe it's probably the most consequential election uh, definitely in this century, perhaps in our nation's history, because it will determine the direction that we take for the next four years at least, and perhaps further, you know, we could continue on the path that the Democrats have tried to chart us, chart for us, which will take us on the slow slide down to socialism. And ultimately, I believe communism, or we can continue the resurgence, the rebirth that has been created by President Trump, over the past three years despite all of the roadblocks they have continually put up against him I mean really it's pretty amazing what he's Mm -hmm. been able to do because honestly he's done more than most presidents through their entire terms in the last three years and he's done Mm -hmm. so many things that we've wanted that we've begged for for really decades and things that have been promised to us but then never delivered. So I'm just, you know, he has really ignited, um, the passions of this nation. And I I love that report that you gave about uh, California, because to me that more than anything speaks to the, um, the mindset of our nation and see, uh, the same thing is true here in Maryland, you know, Everybody is really getting exhausted with what the Democrats impose on us every year. I mean, we have a Republican governor, who, by the way, has won in my district two times in a row um, with significant margins. But despite that, we have supermajority Democrats in both houses of the state legislature, and they impose taxes. They spend like there's no tomorrow and the governor can object all he wants and they just override his vetoes. They put in legislation. You know, there's the the U.S. Congress is now the, the, the Nancy Pelosi House has just proposed a new way forward act, which is essentially a no borders act. It's open borders writ large. And what happened in Maryland? They put forth numerous bills that do exactly the same thing. And Maryland is beset with some of the one of the highest populations of illegal aliens and one of the highest populations of MS13 in the nation. and those people are spreading out into the suburbs. You know, they committed a murder last year right in downtown Towson you know, which is uh, you know, a very suburban community. Yes, it is, and yeah. It, it's, it's just outrageous and everybody's sick of it. People are fleeing the state just like they're fleeing uh, California. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know what possesses the Democrats to believe they could or even should inflict this stuff on us all the time. It's amazing.
0: It is. You remind me of one point I wanted to make in my first five, I'll quick say it right now. Even if it turns out that Joe Biden wins the nomination, which I don't know what's going to happen. I said yesterday or a couple days ago, I don't think the Democrats want to let Joe Biden win it. I think they might let him sit in that seat as the uh, presumptive nominee, but they don't want him there because they're worried about his mental acuity. They might put somebody else in. But even if he wins the nomination and even if he wins the presidency, everyone who is on board with the trump agenda needs to understand biden is just playing the role for the party of the establishment the centrist the rational if he's in that white house and he's got the pelosi congress and he's got the aoc congress and he's got democrats pushing him he is not going to govern as a moderate he served no. as vice president obama under uh, as vice president under obama who is not a moderate just saying to my listeners, don't draw any comfort from the idea that Biden might win the nomination. But back to you and your race, Jim. So I want to ask you something. I know you yeah. talk a lot about immigration. I'm so glad you do. So mm. uh, you talk about the New New Way Forward Act, too, which is it is just basically open the borders and end it all. So so what is it the Congress really needs to do to fix the overwhelming immigration problem in America? Do you have a broad idea of what you think Congress should do?
1: Well, yeah. I mean... Uh, <laughs> basically the whole thing needs an overhaul. First of all, we need to start, well, we need to complete the wall and put an absolute block on any and all illegal immigration. And you know there's a lot of illegal immigration that slips under the rug as legal immigration. For example, temporary protected status. And you know there's about 400,000 people in the United States under temporary protected status which they're given when there is a war or some environmental disaster in their home countries and they flee here as illegal aliens. And then it's, and then their, their country is given temporary protected status, which allows them to operate here legally. And it's supposed to go on for 18 months, but then at the end of 18 months, their temporary status gets renewed for another 12 or another 18 months. And consequently, most of the people under temporary protected status have been here for decades. It's a de facto amnesty. And of course we have the DACA situation. Most of those people are now in their 20s and 30s. They're not kids and they don't need to be here any more than any other illegal alien needs to be here. To solve our illegal immigration problem, we need to absolutely ban and enforce any and all welfare to illegals. That includes medical care. We need to absolutely end illegal immigration hiring. And that means enforcing the law against employers who hire illegals. And if those two things happen, most illegal aliens will self-deport because there's no reason for them to be here. They can't collect welfare. They can't get special medical benefits. Right now, They, uh, when they're sick, they go to the emergency room because for them it's free. And so emergency rooms are jam-packed with people there for common colds and whatever. Uh, and, 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 and then they could, can't get employment. So there's no reason. Really, that, those are the things, you know, if we just would just enforce our darn laws, we'd get a lot more done. So that's as far as illegal immigration goes and building the wall. Absolutely critical. And then on legal immigration, we have been allowing over one million people a year since mm-hmm. the 1980s. And most of those people come here for family reunification, which is a polite way of saying chain migration. They're not here for employment purposes. About less than 150,000 have been coming here annually for employment purposes. So why don't we limit our legal immigration to those who come here for employment purposes? 150,000. Jared Kushner has proposed that we continue to allow a million Ill- illegal. Uh, aliens to come here every year we don't need all that there are plenty of people in the United States ready and willing to fill the jobs uh, the only problem is that uh, employers may have to pay them a little bit more money but you know that's not even a problem if its applied nationwide
0: right. because
1: then there's nothing for them to, they, they can't compete with others who are using foreign labor. They, they, there's the, the, the price becomes constant, and uh, it would be reflected perhaps in slightly higher prices to us as consumers, but that's a price I'd be willing to pay uh, to, to get our country back on track. Because the entire, the entire immigration agenda, whether it's legal or illegal, both of them have been contrived over time by the Democrats to permanently change our society through demographics becoming destiny. And you know it's happened in Texas. It's happening all over the country. And the Democrats know if they continue to get the kind of immigrants they want in here, very welfare-dependent, needy, third-world Uh, immigrants, they will continue to expand their voting base to the point where they won't even have to uh, have elections anymore. They'll just win by default, and that will be the end of this country, because those Democrats that want those things are the same Democrats that want what Bernie Sanders wants, want what AOC wants. They want to turn this into a socialist state uh, of the very worst kind, and We have literally no idea how bad this could be.
0: I couldn't agree more. I was gonna mention to you, President Trump uses expression sometimes in speaking about immigration reform, merit based immigration and when he first used that term of course as a left the democrat media mob does on every topic if there's some way to contort and manipulate it and sound like oh well some people because of the country from from they're from are from they don't have merit these, these are people lacking merit but his point was very valid let's make yeah. the criterion upon which we uh, decide who gets immigration uh, who gets granted a legal right to come here be yeah. based on the merit on their contribution to our our societies so i take it you agree with that
1: no, I absolutely do. I mean, you know, I I, I speak to, you know, when I take a taxi. I speak to the Nigerian taxi driver or yeah. whoever it is. And, and, you know, you get people from all over the world who come here because of the American dream. They come here because they're inspired by our example. And, you know, we are the most open, welcoming, <laughs> un-
0: generous
1: unbiased (laughs) country in the world and as people that's generally true as well but we don't want to be saddled with other nations problems and that's what to a large extent has happened because frankly that's what the democrats want because that's their voting base
0: Absolutely true, sir. Um, I, I'm going to turn to a couple of the topics. So I'm going to uh, let our listeners know about your campaign website. So this is we're speaking with Jim Simpson, congressional candidate from Maryland, CD Two, Congressional District Two. You can find him on Twitter at James M Simpson. James M. Simpson, and his website is jimsimpsonforcongress.com. So if this is a guy who's going to run on the kind of ideas we talk about in this show. I want to ask you very quickly though, changing topics away from your congressional race. So you Mm -hmm. and I had a mutual friend uh, recently who was found uh, having been shot and killed uh, named Phil Haney. And I talked about it on the day the day I heard the news, I talked about it on my show, and how the, originally the uh, sheriff's department in California was calling it an apparent suicide, um, not realizing who he was. Um, but now that they do realize, they're they are reinvestigating more thoroughly to uncover what, um, you know, what really happened. So if you could speak briefly to how you knew Phil Haney, uh, what, what he was all about, and, and what his death really means to the conservative movement.
1: Yeah. Well, Phil and I have known each other, we knew each other since uh, he first came on the scene around 2016. He worked with a lot of the same people I did with the Center for Security Policy and others. Phil and I uh, toured the country in 2017 in his RV for uh, three weeks. And we got to know each other very well then, although we knew each other before. We've maintained a friendship ever since. Um, Phil was just... Well, he's brilliant, for one thing, and he's very knowledgeable about um, Islamic terrorism, and he had identified terrorists in our nation, and what the Obama administration did to him, because of his effectiveness, uh, I consider treasonous, literally treasonous. Uh, They investigated him nine times. They deleted all the records that he had painstakingly developed over the years that identified uh, Islamic terrorists in the United States and their organizations in the United States, and then shut him down, claiming that he was violating the civil rights of Muslims. It's crazy. You know, he was hired to do that very thing, and then here they are investigating for doing his job so well. you know, uh, I wrote an article about that at at at, at uh, American Thinker shortly after he died, and I spoke with his fiance. I spoke with a number of people, and nobody who knows him believes that he would have committed suicide. Um, right. There's a slight chance uh, that that's possible. Uh, he was facing a open heart surgery and some of the drugs that they give you to prepare you for that can uh, create suicidal ideation supposedly. But I don't even know if he was taking any of those drugs or if he was even actually uh, preparing for that. I know that they had discussed it, but his fiance and other, we all, none of us, we just rejected it out of hand. And we made sure that the sheriff knew that, this was just not acceptable, and of course, you know the sheriff. Did you got to give you got to give them their due? He did say apparent, and he said that the investigation is ongoing, uh, so suggesting that there wasn't a conclusion. But given his the politics of his um, uh, <clears throat> revelations in the book he wrote and the book the upcoming book that will be published shortly called National Security Meltdown, uh, the national media lunged on that apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound as a way to just dismiss him. Oh, here's this conspiracy theorist who said something bad about Obama, but now he's killed himself. Um, right, nothing to right. see here. Move along. You know, he probably felt guilty about lying, you know, that kind Damn. of that kind of narrative. And that's yep. one of the reasons I pushed back so strongly against that in my American Thinker article, because Phil Haney was one of the most principled people I, I've i ever met, perhaps the most principled person. Uh, he had no dog in that hunt. He doesn't want to make up stories just for for fun. You know, he would have much rather stayed in the Department of Homeland Security doing his job. He is a devout Christian. Uh, He would not, under normal circumstances, ever consider taking his life. And so uh, there's a lot of questions that really remain unanswered, and I just hope we get to the bottom of it, because uh, that was just a horrible loss for all of us, a loss for the United States
0: absolutely was and for our listeners to remind you phil haney was actually one of the original founders of the department of homeland security was. this was mm-hmm. formed right after 9 11 a year after 9 11 the effort to pull together resources in washington that may not have adequately communicated with each other to keep america's homeland strong and safe he'd been right. with the dhs for years he was at, in his job at dhs he came to uncover how under the Obama administration, more and more Islamist people, people friendly to the Islamist mission, were becoming active and involved at some level in the Obama administration. And this is what he tried to call attention to the American public about. And he actually, yeah, so he was investigated nine times. To be clear, by the Obama administration, and always in each time, completely cleared of wrongdoing. Ultimately, yep. had to have yeah had to have his retirement from DHS through a, a little bit of arm twisting by our wonderful friend Congressman Louie Gohmert to Louis even Go- put yep. him in place. Yeah, so to end up with this, so Phil Haney wrote the book "See Something, Say Nothing," basically talking about how you know uh, when you speak up, when you see something and then you say something, you're punished. See something, say nothing. Great book. And so uh, with that, um, I have to tell you, uh, Jim Simpson, I'm so glad you're running for Congress. I want to thank you for joining me today. And by the way, your article you mentioned was American Thinker about Phil Haney. That's also up at our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links, you read that article, great tribute to our good friend, Phil Haney. Jim, thank you for joining us.
1: Debbie, thanks so much for having me. Great to be with you.
0: Great to have you, sir. Okay, I want to uh, turn quickly. I, I Ask Matt. I don't usually do things like this in the show because our show is always so serious and substantive, which I value and want it to be. But a friend of my husband sent him this little clip I want to play for you right now. And honestly, every time I play it, I laugh, so I thought I would share it with you. This is a video, a real video of Bernie Sanders giving a speech somewhere, maybe in New York City, right by the waterfront. So there's a, a, a river going by him and a boat goes by while he's speaking take it away if you can matt the wonderful play this little clip of bernie sanders trying to speak we have no sound (laughs) okay yeah actually the very beginning didn't play on that he, before the boat went by, he went by, Bernie Sanders is saying something like, you know, back and blah, 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 so-and-so said something, he making some big point. And this boat goes by and I'll tell you why I think it's funny on a serious note. First of all, obviously, Somebody who's a supporter of President Trump has a boat and got in the water, knew that Bernie Sanders had this. This is not the Trump campaign doing this, to be clear. This is just some Trump supporting American. Bernie Sanders trying to give a speech, blah, blah. And this guy goes by with his boat and does a really loud horn. The reason I thought it was actually worthy of showing the show today is I think there are a lot of Americans, even Democrat voters, and some of them who voted for Biden yesterday who are sick and tired of hearing the attacks on America spewing out of the mouth of Bernie Sanders, AOC, and the other radical leftists in this country who've taken over the Democrat Party. Americans are sick of hearing the denigration of the idea of America, the denigration of freedom and free markets, the denigration of the people of America and their goodness, the denigration of our society, the mocking and ridicule and criticism of America's society and goodness. And that little clip is just kind of what a lot of people want to say to Bernie Sanders, please stop insulting us. Please stop insulting America. Please stop attacking everything good about America. Please stop painting this false picture of America as a country filled with intolerant, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, blah, 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 phobics. American people are sick of the way Bernie Sanders talks about America. One boat owner decided to take it upon himself to uh, say what he really thought. And actually, Matt, just for fun, I'm going to ask you to play that short little clip again. This is one more time Bernie Sanders trying to speak. It's a short clip. It's ten seconds, I think. But a short clip of Bernie trying to speak and the Trump supporter comes along. Here we go. said In 1968, when he stated. now return to our regularly scheduled programming and my show america can we talk i don't know why that just makes me laugh every time i see it it's kind of symbolic of what many americans want to say to bernie sanders please stop insulting us okay last topic I hit today this is kind of interesting thing about california and i want to just talk about a little story in california And it may have bigger play as we move forward in this election cycle. But I think the Trump administration should take great advantage of this. In the state of California, which i mentioned earlier is run by the democrats every level of government you know the governor the majority in the in the senate the california senate the california house most of the districts in california most of the county government just democrat run to beat the ban and all they ever do is raise taxes and make more rules and make more laws well those of you who use uber or the other similar service lyft those two services if you don't know you so very quickly it's an app on your phone. So when you go to use Uber or Lyft, you press on the app. You say, I am here at this place. You tell them where you want to go. You have to have an account. You have an account on their phone. You know They have your credit card number. So you say onto your app, I'm here. I want to go there. They have a massive system. They send a driver to pick you up. And he, that person picks you up. And then he takes you to your location. You get out. No credit card. No money changes hands. Off you go. Everyone loves Uber and Lyft because they are modern conveniences and many drivers when you take those two Uber or Lyft will be people who tell you things like, yeah, you know, my my day job, I have a, you know, a uh, security guard at the mall, or I have some other job. These people are doing Uber or Lyft as time permits in their schedules often as second jobs and people love the convenience and on a recent trip my husband and i were on we went from uh i forgot which way it was but we went from the airport to the hotel via taxi and then from the hotel back to the airport via uber or whichever way it was the point is uber was about half as expensive or uber was cheaper to be clear you know cost us half as much as the taxi cost us and that's because taxi drivers and taxi companies are businesses regulated by the government as employers and so taxi companies have to pay their employees whatever the prevailing wage is whatever the minimum wage is where they are and on top of that they have to pay all of the things that the federal and state governments require employers to do. So they collect for unemployment insurance, they collect for workers' comp, they collect taxes. I mean, it's just, it's an employment as a taxi driver like any other job in America. Well. Many people have figured out Uber is Uber is, and I I we happen to use Uber, but I think Lyft's about the same, is cheaper, it's faster, it's more efficient, and frankly, the drivers are usually really friendly. And if you feel like you know having a conversation, they're happy to talk to you. It's kind of a it's a fun thing. So in California, the socialist democrats who weren't run that state, and yes, I know they're really just Democrats, but they have this socialist mindset. The California Democrats passed a bill, went into effect in January, was AB5, Assembly Bill 5. And basically, what California is trying to do under this law is force Uber and other companies like them to fall under the laws that apply to employers. So they're trying to, because Uber, the relationship between a driver who drives around in an Uber and the company Uber is an independent contractor. I mean, you, you know, Uber doesn't care when you come to work. Uber can say, you can, you know, you just, when you want to go on duty, you go on, you drive your Uber, you turn your app on, you go pick people up, drive them off That's what you do. And so Uber, uh, has been free of the obligations and the expenses that attach to taxi companies that are employers. So California passes AB5, basically says to Uber and Lyft, you know we're going to force you to create to actually be a employer a for- a- a- force Uber to be an employer force the employees the drivers to be employees of Uber and attach all of the extremely obnoxious and expensive regulation and cost that attaches to employers to what was previously and people use the expression a gig economy just basically you know it, you you drive uber when you feel like it you, you know you got it. like people say they got a gig to sing somewhere well you got a gig to be an uber driver so today you know it's my gig i'm a driver okay so california run by democrats forced this ab5 through and they now have this is in place and so all the legal squirming. By the way, this is my area of law by way of background. Before I had a much more fun job of doing this show. I used to be a labor lawyer in California, and I do. Under- I represented businesses in a dispute with the state of California about whether or not their uh, people that work for them could be considered independent contractors. And there's a series of criteria in the law that you have to apply. Or are they have to be employees, and you have to you're required to pay all the benefits and follow the regulations that attach to employment. So back to the story, Uber and Lyft are not happy in California. This is the California legislature butting in on a successful business. And this is a point I wanna make though about politics. On whose behalf were the Democrat legislators in California acting when they passed AB5? Whose interests were they looking out for? Because it's not the interests of the companies, Uber and Lyft, those companies, they don't want to be employers. They don't want to employ the driver. So they weren't looking out for the business community, the Uber and Lyft companies. They weren't looking out for the drivers. The drivers for Uber and Lyft, they don't want to be employees. They like the freedom of what they do. They like the idea that they can decide when they'll drive, they can have all this freedom, and they like the basically direct pay setup they have with Uber and Lyft. They don't want to have the state government and the federal government gain their greedy little hands uh, into the money they're making and do all the things that government does, attaches expenses to their income. And third, those legislators in California were not acting on behalf of the customers. The customers, the people who use Uber and Lyft, they didn't want California to pass AB5 either. So the legislators are not looking out. The Democrat, and I'm telling you folks, it's a socialist mindset. They're not looking out for Uber and Lyft. They're not looking out for the drivers. They're not looking out for the customers. Everybody in that world wants to be left alone. The California legislators who they're looking out for, number one, this is be a, you could also call this bill, the Taxi Driver Full Employment Act because they're trying to help the taxi drivers who complained to the legislature? Dang, how come these people over here—they don't have to follow our regulations because they're function independent contractors? Why do we have to? And the answer of a legislator should be to the taxi drivers: Then go drive an Uber, go drive Uber. Why do you have to be a? Ta- Why do you have to work for the taxi company? And um, there's a freedom answer a legislator can give to the taxi people complaining about this and the legislators are simply looking for more ways to get more tax dollars into their revenues and more control over people who like freedom i have to tell you this happened in texas we had just a you know the the left-wing center of texas this is in austin our capital very left-wing they're always following left-wing idiotic things and they did this two years ago i think it was that the city of austin got complaints, same kind of complaints from taxi drivers. Hey, how come Uber and Lyft are you know, allowed to do this and, and we have to be employees? And the way that the Austin City Council, what they passed, they just simply banned Uber and Lyft. I mean, they didn't name them by name, but they banned that kind of business practice. And so college kids at UT Austin, an enormous campus who are used to Uber, love Uber, had Uber go away. I was down there on a business trip or actually some political trip and wanted to get an Uber from the hotel to wherever I was going. And I realized, oh yeah, they don't have Uber here anymore. Now I think maybe Austin fixed that. I meant to look that up before I came here. I think Austin maybe retracted that, I'm not sure. But the point is in this large election cycle of 2020, what sways voters are things that actually touch them personally. I can go on and on all day about the beauty of free markets and the evil of socialism and all these theoretical ideas, but the common sense on your doorstep, in your wallet, in your life things that big government leftists do are the kinds of things that help wake people up. Now I'm not gonna go out on a limb here and say that California is gonna go Trump. I realize that would be you know, a, you know, a bridge too far, but I will say it's a great example of the kind of thing left-wingers in government do. They really don't care about the interests of the people. They don't care about the customers, the drivers of the companies. They don't care about the welfare of the business. They don't care about keeping people happy. They care about control. They care about collecting taxes. They care about protecting union workers and unionized people and unions that donate money to them. That's who left-wingers care about. So this issue is really brilliant, California, One of the legislators who had, was the one who pushed this bill. I don't have the clip for you, but she pushed this bill through and she went to some rally where someone was yelling at her and complaining about it and, you know, making a pretty big stink about it. And she ended up, um, using uh, bad words. I'll just say, uh, using potty mouth words, yelling at a California citizen who was protesting. Why can't you just leave us alone? Let us have our Uber and Lyft she could not stand to humor them because the last thing leftists want to hear is what the american people actually think about anything and that my friends is america can we talk for today before i turn to why it matters to you i will remind you that tomorrow thursday we have the trump campaign chairman for the state of texas lieutenant governor dan patrick joining us on the show tomorrow to talk about the Trump strategy in Texas, in America. Texas is a must-win state, as I'm sure you realize, so that would be a great show tomorrow. And I also want to urge you, if you enjoy listening to this show, to please go to our website, AmericaCammyTalk.org, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter you go to the homepage Talk.org, hit subscribe and you will get a weekly newsletter from me never share the email addresses, never share with anyone the email just has links to the shows links to the interviews it's just a a way to catch up on the show if you miss it during the week you can go through your email on saturday when you have your day off from work and you can also use the email to share our show with friends i'm trying very much the show is really growing i'm immensely grateful for that grateful for every listener i thank you for listening and i urge you to share this show too because i really want to help it grow more and more in this vital election year 2020 where everyone needs to learn more about how to speak up for america now i want to turn to telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you so here we have him my very fine friends. We had the best news of Super Tuesday in many states. President Trump, running unopposed in a GOP primary, received more votes than all the Democrats combined. I don't even know if I said that one, but that's what happened. Trump got more votes in some states than all the Democrats combined that were on the presidential Primary. Uh, this is the passion and the unity of happy Trump supporters. There's no comparable energy on the Democrat side. Michael Bloomberg's proud elitism and Warren's dishonesty was rejected by Democrat voters. There's a spirit that we the people still govern and truth still matters. AOC-backed candidates flopped, AOC, to be clear, she's a media-created star. She and her ideas are not embraced by Main Street America. And Donna Brazile, I didn't even tell you about this, on air on Fox News, she told Ronna McDaniel, the RNC chairwoman, to, okay, I'm sorry I say a bad word, told her to go to hell, on air. Because Ronald McDaniel pointed the Democrats are again pulling strings behind the scenes to make sure the right person wins the primary, which everyone knows they are doing. Donna Brazile, very inappropriate, and then she said, I'm just going to add, she doesn't want everyone else to know how the Democrats operate. On Trump supporter humor and our little clip of the video, I don't have a link for that, but obviously you can find it in the show, Trump supporters drive by Boat Bullhorn at a Bernie speech. Okay, a little bit rude, but the spirit rocks. Americans are happier than they've been in a long time. MAGA, Make America Great, inspires and resonates. Americans are tired of Bernie's ranting and railing on America. America is a good country filled with good people who are proud of America. Americans love freedom. They don't want socialism. The symbolism of this video is brilliant. And finally, California Ubers to Trump. California's Democrat-controlled government passed AB5 into law. It guts the gig economy in favor of unions. It destroys Uber, Lyft, and similar business models for how many workers? How many families? How much income? But neither the drivers, nor the customers, nor the companies wanted this law. It's just a dictate from a ruling class, not a response to public need. Protests against AB5 so far defiantly dismissed by Democrat lawmakers. Discontent is brewing in California. AB5 plus the homelessness problem plus the incredible disgusting mess San Francisco is. Super Tuesday results. Nine congressional seats primed for flipping from Democrat to GOP with a few more California shifts by Trump. Could California be in play in 2020? I don't know about being in play, but I got to tell you folks, the energy and support of freedom in this country, that is what people are responding to. That is what they love about President Trump. This love America acknowledges goodness and its greatness, the love of its freedom, the love of our culture and people is really what radiates from President Trump, radiates around the country and draws people to be supporting this president. This, my friends, sadly, is the end of our show for today. We are out of time, but thank you so much for listening to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. Like a wave. Can you hear us
1: America Can We Talk? Truth about America. Can